Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. And I, I, I'm very lucky tonight to have really the full crew with me here tonight. Uh, minus, you know, the man uh, who, who is so often the annoyance in my side and in life who won't show up after the Broncos summarily blow out his beloved Kansas City Chiefs, dominate them thoroughly on a national stage. Make Patrick Mahomes look like the joke of an NFL quarterback. He has been at points this year, and uh, he sent a written statement. I, I'm still determining if I will allow that to be read. Uh, that that is that is something I'm still still thinking about. We will be talking about the Broncos today. Obviously, a big win. But joining me, YB, all the way from South Korea. Welcome to the show, YB. Rock. Welcome back, my man Joe, and of course, old friend Mason from Buffalo. Boys, there's just so much football to get into, and I appreciate you all being here tonight. I uh, I know the past few weeks have been a little hairy with schedules and stuff like that. I'm hoping to get back into more of a regular Wednesday night recording uh, schedule on this. I'm also pushing back later because I may... I'm not getting my hopes up, but I may be getting a job that requires me to work till 7 p.m. Mountain Time. So hopefully, you know, we can get a solid time of like eight set and we can all enjoy uh, a little bit of podcasting on Wednesday nights as we approach rapidly the stretch run of the NFL, which is coming up. But let's start with this. The trade deadline, two big moves, Chase Young, two the 49ers for a third round pick and then Montez Sweat to the Chicago Bears for a second round pick. Joe, I'm going to start with you. What were your thoughts on these trades that went down on Tuesday? Were you surprised Washington kind of made these blow it up moves or was this something you kind of saw coming? Seemed like uh, it was uh, painted out that it was going to happen. They were pretty much broadcasting that they were going to trade one. I, I don't know if I foresaw both of them specifically, but uh, the if we want to talk, I think who won? I think the Bears won. Uh, I like Montez Sweat uh, much more than I like Chase Young. He has high upside, but he's underproduced. I think Montez Sweat's a hell of a ball player. Um, I don't know how well he'll do in the Bears defense. They need all the help they can get. Um but also, I guess in that same token, Chase Young to the Niners, like I'm sure he'll go and turn it into be an all pro. They've got how many starters, how many all pro caliber guys just on their line. They're like the Eagles. Uh, but and I guess we can talk about it at a different time. But the 49ers defense needs all the help they can get. They started off strong and now they're like the slowest defense in the league. Yeah, I I. I'm interested to hear some other thoughts, particularly from Brock on the on the Bears move. A lot of tumult with that franchise right now. It does seem a little bit strange that in his opening comments today, Sweat said he was going to hold off on contract talks, see if he, quote unquote, liked the situation first. Uh, that to me was a little bit of a red flag. It feels like if you're going to give up that kind of draft capital, especially because Bears are projected to have probably the first or second pick in that second round. Uh, it seems seems like uh, seems like things are, are are still kind of a mess in Chicago. But I I do agree that you have to trade to get good talent in the NFL these days. And at least they have 
his contract under control where if if things really go haywire they could maybe at least franchise tag him it's not like they don't have the cap room to do that yeah well they'd have to franchise tag him because he otherwise i believe he's a free agent after the season um and the bears have draft capital to spare because they also own the the panthers first round pick next year so they essentially have two probably top five top 10 first round picks so you know what's the second round pick right but I don't know. I, I when I look at this trade, I think the only real winner is the 49ers. Um, as a fan of a team, the Panthers, who traded a star um, player to the 49ers for you know second and third round picks, which is pretty good for a running back with, with that contract because it was a large contract. But still, what did the franchise do with those picks? They drafted a second round pass register and it was part of the package to get Bryce Young, but like they didn't really do a lot with those draft picks. Like I think they still get the first round pick, you know, even without those picks. So it's like, you know, what is, you know, you're like, Oh, that's pretty good. You know, from the commander's perspective, Oh, that's a pretty good, you know, it's good to get those draft picks. Like, okay. Yes. If they actually turn around and do something decent with those picks, which is a crapshoot after the first round. Um, so I don't, I don't really see the commanders as a winner. Uh, the Bears, like, yeah, you, you don't really have, you know, you, you, you're basically in a position where you have to convince the player that this is going somewhere. And there's a lot of t- tumult in the organization. They, you know, the Bears just fired another coach, the running backs coach uh, earlier today. So I don't know if you're a player, if you're looking at that as a, uh, as a winning organization. Well, I mean, what did I mean, what did you what did you think of that uh, of the Chase Young move? Uh, obviously, that's the the one that's going to have a more immediate impact for what really kind of determines who the contenders are down the stretch in the NFL this year. I mean, Chase Young. I mean, the fact that he was like injured for one and a half seasons, and now that he's come back, he's apparently putting up like his pressure rate is apparently pretty good, and. And the, and because Nick Bosa is in San Francisco, like he doesn't have to take the role of being the guy, which I think suits him, like in terms of how it is in the NFL. And I mean the Niners, like I saw the I saw a little funny stat where, uh, they, they the Niners have a comp pick in the third round because their for, one of their former uh, front office guys, Ram Carthian, is now the GM of the Titans. So if Chase Young were to leave, if he were to do well and then leave, then they would get a comp pick, third round pick back. So Basically, they traded a front office guy for Chase for half a season of Chase Young, which isn't a bad deal at all. And it's something that the Shanahan guys seem to do. So, yeah, I mean, I thought that's, it was, I thought it was yeah, I'm kind of surprised they couldn't get more for Chase Young, to be perfectly honest. Like, I thought they could have gotten a bit more out of it. But from what I have uh, scrounged up on Twitter and Reddit is that apparently he like there were some issues with Chase Young in the Washington uh, locker room, which like we could, which depending on your interpretation is an indictment of both either Chase Young or the Washington locker room. I mean, your, your guess is as good as mine. It's what, what's the case but for me personally. I think the, uh, the more interesting deal, I think is sweat because for the young deal, I think, I think the Niners fleeced, them. I think the Niners fleeced them in terms of what, they, what it could potentially do for their season, especially now at like, like Joe mentioned with the defense seeming to falter after a very hot start. The sweat part I thought was interesting because yeah, as you mentioned, Sweat didn't have a guarantee of an of an extension, and he said, "Like I'm not I'm not thinking about that right now." If that's the case, then why then why are you giving up a high second round pick? Because we you just did that last year with Chase Claypool, and look what that got you. So, 
I mean, you would think that the Bears would learn that these draft picks, like, I don't care. I mean, obviously, a draft pick is a crapshoot. I am, I get that. Like, you have to pick the right player to do it. But if you're in a situation that the Bears are in where you're not going anywhere, and I understand that you needed some semblance of a pass rush because Yadin Ngakwe alone is not going to get it done, regardless of how much production he's put up over his career and whatever stops he's made. But to basically, if you if Sweat leaves after this year, after half a season, sure they're going to comp take out of it, sure. But uh, but if because they have cap room, like they're probably going to sign free agent like that somebody other than Sweat if Sweat leaves, and that means no comp pick. So like I don't get this move. Like for the Bears, per, to be perfectly honest, but I understand you want people in the room that can actually produce and kind of create a, a start creating a better atmosphere, but. The price is a bit high. The Bears are not the team that I expected to trade for Sweat. They need to decide what they want. Do they want, are they trying to compete or are they locking in to be high in the draft and draft, you know, a young core? Because that's what I thought that they were doing. Like, you know, get multiple first rounds, trade down, right? Right. Amass this capital, this this not only just draft capital, but also your cap space. Next year, we're, you know, we're signing free agents. We're drafting a bunch of young talent. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're going all in. And maybe they thought they were already in that position this year, but based on the first, you know, six, seven games, I don't think that's the case. I don't know. If I'm, Eber, if I'm Eberflus, I'm doing whatever I possibly can to make the defense look okay. Like, I, I don't know exactly Fair like point. how warm his seat is, but it's got to be pretty warm, right? There's been, seems yeah. like there's been reports coming out that, you know, uh, ownership isn't happy with it. Hell, they fired, like you mentioned, I think their running backs coach was something else, but their defensive coordinator. So if I'm Eberflus, I'm throwing whatever I possibly can to, okay, help me keep my job. But is he making, I mean, is it him him or the GM, or is, are they tied at the hip? I don't know. Well, they were hired at the same time. Yeah, they yeah. were hired. That doesn't, I don't know if they, I can't remember if the GM came first and he picked Eberflus or if they were, Yeah, I don't remember the timeline of events, but you got to imagine there's got to be some sort of urgency yeah, as far as I know, Eberflus doesn't like isn't basically you know how with certain coaches they have a bit more influence over the GM, as opposed to the GM that basically controls the coach. It's got to be the latter because I don't think Eberflus has, is as powerful in Chicago as I think some of the more respected coaches are. So I think this is a polls call no. more than. But it really, oh, yeah, is I think a, a move when it all comes down to it. And I know Brock, you said maybe the only winners were San Francisco, but I honestly think Washington kind of won out with getting sweat off of their books getting what I mean by all accounts is probably going to be a pretty high second round draft pick out of it and not having to deal with like, will he sign a contract with us or is he just going to walk on us? Now the bears have that problem. And again, it's like a move for a team that's pushing to win this year, because again, you're, you're effectively hiring an assassin right now and you have no idea whether or not they're going to re up with you. And it's not like they're in South Florida where it's like, oh, look at the city we're in. Look at all this nice weather we've got and the things to do. You want to stay here, right? They don't have a quarterback like a Tom Brady or something like that where they're just like selling the experience of playing with an all-star. Like they have nothing going for them to encourage him to keep, to stay there. Like, yeah, I mean, quintessential Dutch boy sticking his thumb in Yeah, no, I, I don't mean to insinuate that the commanders were ever going anywhere and that they shouldn't like trade their assets. I'm just giving. No, the pers- I just more was trying to say like they yeah. got a little bit of a win out of it by not yeah, having that's fair. that kind of situation. Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, I looked at it similarly, like when Christian McCaffrey was traded, it's like, hey, we're in the middle of a hardcore rebuild. 
you know, draft capital is going to be important to move up in the draft. And he had a big contract, a similar argument. But then it's like, you look at him just demolishing people on the 49ers. You're like, man, it would be nice if he was still in my team's uniform. And I think commander fans will probably feel that way about either, either or both of those players at some point. I think it makes That's it fair, but it would be unfair to feel that way about Young just because everybody who goes to the 49ers is freaking amazing and none of us have Kyle Shanahan. Exactly. So no, really I, that's true too. Yes, that's absolutely true. <laughs> I, I think the one thing the commanders have going for them is that defensive line just had an abundance of riches in that you still have Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen under contract and still as core pieces of that interior defensive line. And they're still game-changing NFL players. And now you've just added draft picks for this new GM, whoever Washington decides to go with, to kind of play with and say, hey, either we're going to go after a quarterback or maybe we want to build more around Sam Howell. I don't think the Washington – I just – I don't feel like the Washington Commanders roster as currently constructed is that far away from at least competing within the division. I don't know if that's a crazy take or not, but I, I no, just feel a, no, like it's a crazy take because of the division they're in. Yeah, I was about right. to say, wait, is this isn't this the same division that has the Eagles, Eagles and the Cowboys and the Cowboys? I, I know, but <laughs> if you have those draft picks and if you have a high first round draft pick and if you draft well. Like the NFL, it all depends come pretty quick. It's 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 not a bad NFL roster is currently constructed no, even after these oh, well, moves. It depends on two things. It depends on if they're going to ride out with Sam Howell, right? Mm-hmm. And it depends on if Ron Rivera is back next year. He Which won't be. yeah, he won't. I have my doubts. Which it's unfortunate he gets the same. He's in the same exact uh, situation he was when the the Panthers were sold. New ownership right. comes in, they give him a year, and then. Unfortunately, they're probably going to move on. Howell's played like he's he's had his ups and downs, but some of the highs are promising at least. So, like, I have a hunch that they're not going to jettison Howell after one year unless by some miracle they land into like the first or second pick. If that's the case, then they'll probably draft either Caleb Williams, Drake May, and then take it from there. But if I, but judging by how they've played so far, I don't think they're going to fall that deep in the draft. So. Like and this, and when you mentioned uh, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen, both of these guys, both of those guys are pay, they got paid. So you can't pay everybody, and I think that might have been one of the impetuses why. And also the new ownership is, you know, the owner, the owner of the Sixers. They've been through the process before. Whether that whether they like the process was a great is up for debate, but they realize that what as currently constructed, I don't. They saw the ceiling. They saw what the cap on this roster was and decided. Now let's take one step back and hopefully we can take three steps forward as a result of it. I think that was and and if they really didn't like Chase Young for the, for uh, on field or off field reasons, then all the more better in that in their opinion. So that's their prerogative. So I can see the rationale. It's just that for someone with Chase Young's pedigree and how he's had a bit of a resurgence this year, I really thought they could have gotten a bit more, a bit more for him. I agree. The other big NFL news that dropped late last night, Halloween, perfect news dump time. If you're if you're if you're you're a fan of of the parlance, uh, it really did get buried a little bit. Josh McDaniels and uh, the I forget the Dave Ziegler, Ziegler I believe, I believe Dave Ziegler. uh, 
fired no longer with the Raiders. The the Las Vegas Raiders. They promote who I be. I had his name. It's Prince Antonio Pierce. Antonio Pierce. The former Giants linebacker. Now they're formerly their linebackers coach. Yeah, this was a long time coming. Mark Davis has made very questionable coaching decisions. <clears throat> like the amount of money he is currently paying uh, Josh McDaniels and John Gruden to not be the coaches of the Las Vegas Raiders is kind of hilarious. All that said, in terms of Mark Davis's relative wealth, it is a drop in the bucket probably <laughs> what, 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 what he's paying these guys right now and i'm just interested to see how this goes i watched the opening press conference for antonio pierce i liked what he had to say he seems like a player's coach i don't think it's crazy to say that much like rich bisaccia this guy could like come in and make the raiders competitive because again the raiders roster is not necessarily terrible they just have not been well coached for about the better part of the decade now. And I'm interested to see how competitive they get and how much it takes for him to steal a head coaching job. Because at some point, Mark Davis might want to look and say, hey, I don't want to hire a big name, expensive head coach. Might as well go with the guy that can win. But we don't even know if he'll win yet. So we'll we'll see. But the other news was that they are done with Jimmy G. Jimmy G did the bench. Aiden O'Connell is now the starting quarterback. It appears the death nail for Josh McDaniels was when he started Brian Hoyer over the Bears, which why would you ever do that in the year of 2023? That is one of the dumbest things Not ever. believe it. Ever, ever done. I, uh, I literally had I, to ask somebody. He's still in the league. But uh, – I don't feel bad for Josh McDaniels because A, he's getting paid a shit ton of money and he'll be fine. Uh, and B, he'll just be back in New England in about a year and yep. uh, either under Belichick or as the Patriots' new head coach, which would be absolutely hilarious. Um, and uh, and continue their descent into total and utter darkness. So really, uh, as a Patriots hater, this, this doesn't – this is – Plays out pretty well for me, Brock. What what do you have to say so about all, all this? When when Hoyer's when Hoyer got the start, I I have I have a group chat with some of my buddies that's just you know about sports, and I and my exact words were, I can't believe Brian Hoyer is getting meaningful snaps in the year of our Lord twenty twenty three, like it just blew my mind, and so I'm not surprised. Um, but like Mark Davis had the opportunity to do what you're talking about with. Uh, Rich Pisaccia, he should have kept him. Yep. Like he, he got, he had the, he had the team. He had the team. He was able to motivate them. Right. And, you know, it's really two mistakes, you know, not only McDaniels, but also Jimmy G like, Hey, listen, I'm not here saying Jimmy G isn't a starting quarterback or can't be one, but he wasn't the solution for the Las Vegas Raiders on any level. Let's clarify. After what we've seen this year, I think it's pretty safe to say he can no longer be a starting quarterback. I mean, you know, I, I I think there's definitely an argument there, but I'm not here to make that argument. I'm just saying specifically for the Las Vegas Raiders, right? Who have the who have uh, Devonte Adams, right? He is not the right quarterback. I mean, I, I was I was watching that game. Devonte Adams had mul- there was one specific moment where Devonte Adams it was in the in the game. Devonte Adams 
beats his guy. He beats him. He is open. All Jimmy G has to do is make a football throw, make a throw and hit him. He's open for like yards. Like you don't even need to uh, like be super accurate. Just get it to him. Overthrows him. It was a touchdown. Would have won them the game. Misses him. And Devonte Adams goes to the sideline, frustrated, slams his helmet down. Like Adams is going from Aaron Rodgers to that, right? This Adams is your franchise player that like you signed for a bunch of money. You you needed to get him someone who can get him the ball, and they did not do that. So you know, even if McDaniel's was less than inspired as a coach, which I think he was in general, he was probably in the hot seat anyway, just because who they chose as a quarterback. And also because their record sucked, that too. That probably well, I mean, didn't the, help. one one creates the other. <laughs> let, me, let me give you a, let me give you a funny stat about Josh McDaniels' coaching career. Okay, so when he was in Denver, and this is before your time, Eric, but when he was in Denver, he was eleven and seventeen as Broncos head coach before he got fired in his second season. Sounds familiar, right? So now that he now in games involving the Broncos, he was three and zero as the Raiders head coach against the Broncos. So. This was a this was a masterful sabotage job by Bill Belichick for his for his uh, for the fact that the Broncos beat him in that AFC title game because he chose to send his saboteur to not only ruin the Raiders but also to screw over the Broncos a little bit more because Bill is not one to let go of a grudge. So I thought I just wanted to point out that hilarious statistic. But on the on the side, like I saw an article by Baltimore right afterwards where basically they after McDaniels and Ziggler came to town, they basically got every decision they could possibly, they possibly needed to make horribly wrong. Because you mentioned Jimmy G, like the signing of Jimmy G. You remember that fiasco with Jimmy G when, that, when they were that that press conference and then he couldn't show up because of, because he couldn't pass a medical? Like that was really a omen of things to come. But even before that, like the draft they had, Tyree Wilson right now, it looks like arguably the biggest bust in the first 10 picks of this draft. He has like, He's playing opposite Max Crosby. Like, for God's sake, you can't think of a better better situation for a young pass rusher than that. But he's he's barely playing half the snaps. And then, like the, like they completely like mishandled the situation with Josh Jacobs because they didn't exercise for fifty year option. Then decided to try to run him into the ground and then in the pile of stats, which obviously inflated his value. And now they have to use the franchise stack. so everybody everybody was unhappy. And now. Which and they ran out Derek Carr, and Derek Carr is not a great quarterback, like, but he's a hell of a lot better than what the hell they have in that quarterback position right now. And also, he was Devontae Adams' friend. They, Derek Carr was one of the biggest reasons that Adams came there. Yep. So, if you bring, as you mentioned, you brought you you burned a bunch of draft picks, you tossed a bunch of money at Devontae Adams because he can be a different player, and he still can be, as you saw by the routes he ran and by the times he left the corners completely cooked, and. And you all, and for the better part of a season and a half, what you've done is basically antagonize him, like make all the decisions that will make him say, "What the hell am I doing?" Like I don't understand the direction that the Raiders are taking. Like obviously, because of who's on this podcast, like including one member in absentia, that what's happening to the Raiders is obviously a bit of a funny joke to a lot of people. But I just don't understand the rationale behind a lot of their actions at all. Well, well, the Raiders are in complete teardown mode, but haven't really ever committed to complete teardown mode. Like they only committed to teardown because they sucked 
Like that was. It's not, commitment. but it's like I don't feel like the Raiders are actually bad. They just got two of the biggest roles wrong: the quarterback and the coach. Well, yeah, that kind of leads to a team sucking, doesn't it? Yeah, but like it's it's not like I feel. I, I guess I just don't feel like they actually need to tear down. They just need like if you're going to move on from Derek Carr, you better have an answer that isn't that is better than Derek Carr. Otherwise, you shouldn't move on, right? And they got that wrong. So yeah. I don't. I have no idea. Aiden O'Connell is not going to make Devonta Adams any happier than Jimmy, Jimmy G. Well, well, judging by what happened last, judging by what happened on Sunday, they say he could be a little bit better in yeah. than Jimmy G. Sure, I guess we'll have to see, right? We'll have to let the season play out. But like, I have no idea what they're going to do next year. Like, who are they even? Who can they even go after? Kirk Cousins? I mean, who knows what he's what state he's going to be in? No, I. I, really I mean, at the end of the day, I think the Raiders. I think the Raiders kind of just showed us kind of what we all went through with like watching Andy Dalton on the Bengals. And it's like, yeah, is he the guy saving your franchise right now? He's not, but who's better? What are you going to do right now that's better than what you have? And uh, the Raiders went ahead and I mean, pulled that trigger and decided they were going to find I out. Mean, and the Bengals. But the, the playoffs so because when, when, when they when they well, when no, they let I, go, I'm not saying they were better, but I mean he was very clearly just not their solution. Right, for right, yeah. Home, but he, it's basically, it, who's going to do Dalton a better was job? Basically, the, Dalton was basically the Derek Carr for the Bengals. Like you know, like right. he was he was loved by the team. Like everybody loved him, but we knew that he wasn't the guy that was going to take him over the top. But when they got rid of Andy Dalton, they knew they had the number one pick lined up, so they knew they were going to pick Joe. Yeah, they, the Bengals did it exactly. correctly. <laughs> they had something correct. lined up where it's, they absolutely didn't in in Las Vegas, and they decided to go for it. And I would like to put it out there in case Mark Davis listens to this for whatever reason. I would gladly take a much smaller salary than either uh, John Gruden or Josh McDaniels <laughs> to not be your head coach. I'm going to paint it. Go ahead, Joe. I, I do just want to put this out here. I understand we're killing them, and maybe rightfully so, from moving on from Derek Carr. But let's also not act like Derek Carr was the solution for them. Derek Carr has been awful in New Orleans this year. He has not played like a very good quarterback this year. He has played maybe the worst season of his career with much more talented weapons than he had in Las Vegas last year. I kind of agree with the fact that they moved on from him. Like he wasn't going to help them compete. Like they needed, they just chose the wrong guy. And ultimately I do think the direction they need to take is just a total teardown where they're tanking next year for whoever the top quarterback prospect is in next year's draft. Like I, 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 I mean, I, I really do think I, it's I think, that simple. I don't think, okay. I don't know if I agree that the saints have, better talent than than the Raiders. Like I think the only like true talent on the Saints right now is Chris Olave. Um Kamara has lost a step. Like I would take Jacobs over Kamara right now. And Adams over almost any wide receiver. So I think Derek Carr would have had better weapons if he had stayed with the Raiders. But this also points to another thing. Remember when Derek Carr was everybody knew that Derek Carr was gone from Las Vegas at the end, like near the in the last quarter of last season because you know there was obviously reports coming out that McDaniels didn't like Derek Carr and they were benching him but for some reason the season the offseason before that they gave they gave Derek Carr an extension you know quote-unquote extension which included a no trade clause for some odd reason and so when they wanted to get rid of Derek Carr they couldn't get anything out for Derek Carr because he exercised a no trade clause so they had to just release him they got nothing out of it 
Yeah. Like if you if you knew that it, well, maybe they maybe there was something that changed mid season because like for some some reason McDaniel's and Carr never hit it off, and they could completely foresee that. But why insert a no trade clause into a contract extension? Like they felt bad if, because of Gruden, what Gruden did with Carr. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I can understand. Maybe I can understand the human element of it, but it's yeah. bad business all around. Like yeah, so no, they you're right. Get, like if you're gonna if you had traded Derek Carr in the offseason, if you were able to, you could have gotten at least, I don't know, third. The Vikings have the same day. have the same problem with Cousins. They can't trade him. I mean, not, not that they couldn't now that he well, is yeah, injured, not, but not like anymore, but 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 before, right? There was there was talk about it, but it didn't matter. He has a no trade clause. Yeah, but they weren't trying to run cousins out of town. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm <laughs> just like saying it, it was a feasible scenario. And I and, and I, you know, yeah, I heard it. Heard it. I heard it talk about, but like people would like talk about it as if it was like an actual thing that could happen, but they conveniently left out the part where Kirk Cousins has a no trade clause. Why would he want to leave the Vikings? He has Justin Jefferson to throw to. There's no reason. Like a convenient omission, like this is a bit of a tangent, but you know how right now we're looking at like sorry, Eric, but we're gonna be talking about this quarterback situation for a little bit. So you know how in Atlanta right now they have a they have a tire fire at the at the quarterback position. You know how every analyst saying like, why didn't they go after Lamar Jackson? You know because you know why? Because the the Ravens would have matched, and, and the Ravens would have had Lamar Jackson. That's why they didn't go after Lamar Jackson. <laughs> they conveniently omit up the fact that it's because they need to offer a sheet, and the Ravens had right to match. They weren't going to yep. simply be able to take Lamar Jackson even if they gave up first draft picks because the Ravens had to say yes. So, <laughs> the like Ravens wanted admission. people to give offer sheets because then they wouldn't have had to negotiate w- with Lamar. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. so like, it's, it's, it's just lazy Twitter takes. Yeah, exactly. Could you imagine how boring uh, Lamar Jackson would look in an Arthur Smith defense? He would <laughs> ruin. Can you? Can you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he would find. He would still find a way to ruin my life twice a year. I guarantee you. Um, Lamar yeah, is but, Lamar is special for sure. I will say this better your problem than mine. <laughs> Someone no, that he's, sees yeah, Lamar Jackson twice, twice. You can <laughs> keep twice him. It would be nice if he went to the NFC. You guys could use more top. You know, end corner. Yeah. No, no, no. We need listen. This is set up perfectly, right? There's not a lot of top end talent in the NFC. It's the perfect moment for a young team to come up. You know what I'm saying? Next, next give year, me two, maybe. Give like... me two, three years. I'm not even saying next year. Give me two, three years. We'll be in it. <laughs> I mean, the the, uh, the Bengals showed the scenario that the scenario can switch fast in the season. So, like, yeah, that's true. You can change. You fast. gotta run. I mean, look yeah. at the. Well, and again, it sucks that our conference is so loaded with top end quarterbacks and talented yeah. teams. Like, and none of us can just annoying catch as hell. Break and break. But five, like five years ago, it was the opposite. NFC had yeah. all the talent. Right. So you know the the, the, the wheel turns. Spam just loaded up. Yeah, the wheel turns. Mahomes needs to go to the NFC. That's what it is. <laughs> That's never gonna happen. Brad might have a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's the Raiders. Let's get to some on field stuff as we kind of wrap up the show here. Uh starting with you, why YB, I'd like to say congrats. You made it through the long cold dark winter but after the last two weeks i think i'm ready to say that the Bengals are now what i expected the Bengals to be they've got a big test this week against the bills but i think they might just be maybe 
the most complete team in the AFC right now. And I feel like things are really looking up for you. How are you feeling about the Bengals right now? What what do you think changed? I think the most miraculous thing for me is watching Joe Burrow play uh play NFL quarterback. He just miraculously got not hurt, which is kind of crazy. Well, I mean, like like it's now basically a hypothetical as to whether just sitting Joe Burrow for several weeks would have done the trick uh, similar to what's happening now, but like the today, like last week on I guess Niners, you saw Joe Burrow take a quarterback draw. He audible to a quarterback draw, <laughs> and and, the, and there was a very funny uh, screenshot from one of the Bengals Twitter guys where in the Titans game when Burrow basically couldn't move, they basically complete the Titans defense completely parted like the Red Sea on alignment in the middle because they knew Joe Burrow wasn't going to be able to run, <laughs> and now you see Burrow audible, and then you see Orlando Brown looking at him like what. Like you saw, you could tell even under the helmet that Orlando was confused because he had never that play had never been audible to before. So, so Joe Burrow moving around, he he did that you know that Houdini act, you know, getting out of Nick Bosa's grasp and then somehow completing a pass to Higgins. Like that's another thing. Higgins was awful for the for the first quarter of the season. He, like I don't know whether it was mental or if he was because he wasn't used to Joe Burrow not being not playing like well Joe Burrow, but. Like his hands are gone for some reason, and Higgins looked like he was back. They're they're gonna do, they're gonna have to do something at tight end because Irv Smith is a football terrorist. But like on the whole, like the the Jonah Williams experiment to at right tackle seems to be working out a lot better than I think we could have imagined. Like he's been perfectly serviceable, like as a right tackle. And Orlando Brown, like he has his he's gonna get focused on because of that contract and because you know he'll have the Chiefs Twitter coming after him, but. He's been solid. Like he's been solid, and it's a it's a relatively decent line. Joe Mixon struck Dre Greenlaw. That was a that was a welcome sight to see. And the defense, obviously playing well. They they I think they're slowly phasing out Awuzie from the corner from main corner slot, and they're gonna put they're gonna go with Cam Taylor and DJ Turner because those guys are fast as hell. And they I think there's still a bit of a concern at safety because Nick Scott has not been the solution. And so then we might be seeing a lot more Jordan Battle, the rookie out of Alabama. But on the whole, like Sam Hubbard and Trey Henderson are playing incredibly great ball. Like Sam Hubbard's pass rushing stats this year are better than any other season in his career, which is saying something. Well, Sam Hubbard's never really been a great pass rusher. So, and Anarumo's continuing to build his reputation. He got obviously got a late start in coach in NFL coaching, but I I have a hunch if this keeps up, like we make we might be seeing the last season of Joe of uh, Luan Rumo in Cincinnati because somebody's gonna want to take a chance on him as head coach. So I think they're coming together and I think more than more so than any other team, well most other teams, like the status of their quarterback completely dictates the mood for the entire team. Like it, maybe it's because I'm a Bengals fan and kind of kind of like swept up in the experience, but but having a having a quarterback that basically took your franchise from the dumpster and turned them into like legit contenders, I think it's like in addition to his talent, he's a, he's a little bit of a talismanic talismanic effect on this entire squad. So it's kind of weird in a sense, and that it's and kind of risky that it's riding all much on one person. But if Joe Burrow can continue playing like he did against the Niners, then yeah, that then that's as good a person as you want to be your talisman.
All right. Does anyone else have any thoughts on the Bengals before we move on to our next uh, next topic here? Mason might because of if it was the game next week. Yeah. I am deeply concerned. (laughs) (laughs) The Bills have yet to put together a solid four quarters, and I mean, our injured reserve list is an absolute cavalcade of stars. So this team is so injured, and I mean, Josh is working through some shoulder thing now, too. Week to week, I have genuinely no idea what we're going to do. And uh, coming up against a quality team, like the last time we did, I guess, was the Dolphins. Dolphins. And, they blew them and out. you guys beat the but hell out of them. This is true. Like, I, like watching the Bills defense after Milano went down, like, it, it basically it confirmed the notion that in addition to, you know, the man being insanely talented, like physically, like how much organization he does for the defense, like. Yeah, and, he runs the whole thing. You see it every single play. He's making sure people are where they're supposed to be. And since he's been gone, you're constantly watching these little holes open up that shouldn't be there. And people skirting through and making these plays that just wouldn't exist if Milano was still in the center of that defense. And so like, not having him was a huge loss. Losing Trey White was obviously a huge loss. Half of our defensive line keeps falling every game and having to get taken out for large periods of time. I mean, uh, Daquan Jones is down now, too. It's just, it's, man, we, we can't keep anybody on the field. <laughs> Ep- FNS is so, playing well, so I think like, that's, that's, a, that's a positive he's sign. He's been incredible this year. It's probably one of the best years he's had in quite a while. I mean, at any game he gets a sack, it seems like he's going to get two. And then he might force right. a fumble. Or intercept a ball, or like he's he's genuinely been he's been a difference our, maker on that defense. Yeah, uh, the Von Miller saga is not going great either right now. He, I don't know if he's I mean, two two ACLs is a tough thing. Like two ACLs is a tough thing to come back for for a thirty four year old. So it really is, and I mean, I know that they say he's fine and game plan or whatever, but like his snap count has come down each of the last three weeks. Not like and that that I. That doesn't seem like something you would do with your best defensive player now available if he was actually fully healthy and ready to go. Should be an interesting game to at least give the Bills like a measuring stick of can they still compete with like a, a high octane team. But I don't know. The Ken Dorsey thing, too, is, is I think, becoming quickly a problem. Like, there's way too many times where they'll be literally first or second in goal with one yard to go, and they line up in the freaking shotgun. It's like, what are we doing? Put Josh under center and run the damn ball three times. Like, this is not hard. Yeah, but mm. like, apparently you got, apparently, the tush push isn't, isn't, involved, isn't like a cheat key for every team, so go figure. Imagine. No, it's not, but like... I mean, trying to get a back who isn't running behind a line who's typically a good run-blocking line from three yards deep in the backfield probably isn't the right choice either. Fair point. Joe, I wonder what your view of the uh, of the AFC is right now between the Bengals and the Bills because it does feel like obviously Sunday night's going to tell us a lot, but this does feel like the two still the two t- premier teams – even though the Bills 
I, I'm not super concerned with the Bills. I think this is just mid-October doldrums. I think they'll get it figured out. Don Kincaid has emerged as a real weapon for them over the past two weeks. They have way more guys producing at a way higher rate than they did last year down the stretch. I feel like eventually Stefan Diggs is going to get clicking again. They're still forcing him the ball. He's still involved. I feel like Khalil Shakir has had a pretty good year thus far. And Gabe Davis, for as much as fantasy owners might complain, has had a pretty decent year of production as well. I just, I, I don't, I know you watch all the games, Mason. I get that. But I, I've been keeping a pretty close eye on the Bills. I'm heavily leveraged with them for my fantasy team of record. And I just think they're going to figure it out. Like I'm not, I don't, I don't have many concerns. Joe, what's kind of your take on all this? I think both teams have got it figured out. Noticeably though, I want to add to that list of uh, Bill's playmakers, Leonard Fournette. Come on. Playoff Lenny. (laughs) Um, Battleship Lenny. Battleship Lenny. But he's, uh, I I think he's adding depth there. He's probably the same running back as Lat Murray at this stage maybe but he's got to make it off the practice squad first yeah absolutely it's depth you know again just add playmakers and i think that's what the bills need to do Uh, i think the bills are going to be what the bills are they they flash when they need to they'll lose games they should probably win they'll get hot in december and i think they're probably going to be all right the Bengals are still a question mark for me uh, they've had some good wins, obviously. They've tied together some good things. Uh, the T. Higgins, I think somebody was bringing that up uh, earlier. T. Higgins has noticeably dropped off in a in a contract here. Um, Jamar Chase is lighting it up. But Tyler Boyd's another year older. You can see it on the field. Um, their defense, honestly, is like the uh, important part that I'm seeing anyway. Um, their defense looks stronger than uh, they ever have. So I, if I had to pick who's going to go further, uh, I'm going to say the Bills, just the Bills have the pedigree. They have the harder division, absolutely, right now, I think. Um, I think everybody in that, even the Patriots, uh, yeah, the record's bad. They're still going to play teams tight the majority of the time. So even then, I still think Bills have a slight edge, but uh, I could easily be swayed by a fan of either team. The funny thing about the Bengals' defense is that in, when they're between the between the red zones, like they get gashed a lot, like, you see, like, people get explosive plays against them all the time. But somehow in the red zone, like, they tighten up. And obviously it's because, like, there isn't as much space in the red zone so they can kind of, like, crowd the area and kind of make plays with it. But it's remarkable how, say, for example, two weeks ago, like, a couple weeks ago in the, in the Seattle game, like, they were, like, lighting. They were, the Seahawks were moving the ball up and down the field. And so were the Niners. And then in the red zone, they somehow managed to, like, come up with a big play, like, get a turnover, like, something. And just minimize the points given up it's i don't know if that's sustainable but it seems to be a hallmark of the bengals defense this year but they're not as solid as i think they were last year and though obviously i think the loss of Bondell and jesse bates has something to do with that but on the whole i think the bengals they need to tighten up a bit more in, on defense like when they're not in the red zone otherwise like you can't rely on like this sort of red zone defensive efficiency forever well, that'll be an interesting matchup to watch because right now Buffalo is second in the league in red zone efficiency at, at uh, almost 69%. So that, yeah, that, that and also be the Bengals have been weak against out. running quarterbacks and Allen can run like nobody's business. So, yeah. And I mean, uh, to Eric's point about our skill position players, the even just like the past two weeks, 
it has been like a noticeable difference in them stepping up and like making a lot more plays. And I, you know, it could be per ball accuracy and stuff like that with Josh getting used to, to dealing with like the pain management that he's clearly going through with his arm or whatever, but they've, they've been producing a lot more after the catch lately. And they've been, been, you know, shaking defenders and, and making plays. And, and you're right. Dalton Kincaid has been just about everything that was advertised thus far. He's been absolutely excellent on the field. And it's really good that we have him considering Dawson Knox is out for the foreseeable future as well. And Shakir and also like popped off of the athletic last week too. So. Shakir like looks like he he's found he's found at least a role. Shakir has been having good games since last year. I mean, he's buried on our depth chart, but the guy has like really good hands. He does a good job. Gabe Davis's biggest problem is he seems to have just like lapses in mental acuity here and there. I mean, there was last <laughs> week a ball that literally got. He like he literally had a ball thrown at his back last week because he didn't break out of a run when he was a route when he was supposed to. He he it there's times where the ball will hit him dead in the hands and it ends up on the ground and it really seems like there's just I don't know he's not focused enough on it or he's too busy thinking about what he's going to do after he's got the ball, and it it's so weird to say that about the guy who in the same game will high point a ball over two guys and then toe tap on the sideline on the one yard line. And he, like he's both guys and it's really frustrating because you never know who he's going to be on a play-by-play basis. Okay. Here's what I want to do to close out the show. I know we're running out of time here at the end. I want to go around uh, around the screen really quick and just get one thing that you guys want to talk about that we haven't talked about yet in, uh, in the NFL moving into next week. Could be this week. I feel like we've covered a lot. Joe, I'll, I'll let you go first. I know you've got some, some places to be later tonight, so I wanted to make sure you got in a, a last word here for sure. Well, uh, I mean, we may have glanced over it, but I feel like if we didn't attack the low-hanging fruit and the person absent on this show, I don't know if I could sleep well at night. So, yeah, we I mean, we can open it up. I love uh, just really digging on maybe the worst quarterback in the AFC West right now, and that's Patrick Holmes. Yeah, uh, well, let's what just talk about it. I mean, uh, not to say I fucking told you so since literally june but i told you so Yo, i how said much did eric th- pay you to uh, to be this this be the topic for you i said <laughs> this year is the year no more will they be being swept by the kansas city chiefs i said brad look out there's a game in denver in november Patrick Mahomes, he isn't going to play that well. And there will be excuses now. And they will say he had the flu. And they will say, oh, the Chiefs, Taylor Swift wasn't there. So Travis Kelsey wasn't playing at his best. I don't care. They got dominated. The pass rush dominated them. The pass rush dominated them. That was the difference in this game. The Denver Broncos, elite young pass rush nick benito absolutely all over the place baron browning absolutely all over the place oh yeah sure they get blown out 70 20 by the dolphins you wonder why well maybe it's because you're all pro safety justin simmons and the core leader of your defense was out what's happened since he's come back they've allowed one 
touchdown to the Chiefs over two weeks. And in DVOA, they are currently ranking over the past four weeks as a top five defense. This is a good team. Now, yes, you can say, but Eric, that doesn't make any sense. They still have a bad to mediocre quarterback. Sure, sure, Russell Wilson slid behind the line of scrimmage on second down on one of the plays in this game. Sure, he made some dumb, dumb throws. But as I've been saying since literally June, this team is going to win between seven and nine games and screw themselves out of good draft capital, but they are going to beat some good teams and they cannot be slept on. And Patrick Mahomes, once again, doesn't have any weapons to throw to. Justin Ross. Oh, I, I got told on this podcast five times that Justin Ross was going to be the next Antonio Brown. Well, maybe he is in that he's in jail right now. Like, what what are we doing? Like, Rasheed Rice dropping passes all over the place? Uh, no. This team only has Travis Kelsey. It's almost like you need competent receivers to be good in the NFL. They are about to get absolutely smoked by the Miami Dolphins this week, by the way. They are going to get absolutely tor- torched and and the per- people who aren't here right now will cope and they will say, oh, but Patrick Mahomes still threw for 300 yards and kept it close. Well, guess what? He's still lost because he doesn't have any talent because he's not a god. But like, let's just stop with the glazing of Patrick Mahomes. Like, like the, the meat riding is crazy, little bro. Like, come on. We are just so past that. He is not currently a top two NFL quarterback. You could put him at three and it'd be totally fine. But there are better quarterbacks in this league than him, namely Joe Burrow, namely Josh Allen. And hey, Jalen Hurts with how he's been playing over the past few weeks. Let's calm down. This guy is very good, but he is not the greatest of all time. He is not beyond reproach. He ran into his own offensive lineman at the end of the game for a sack. Come on. Everyone loved to see that. They got blown out. I want to emphasize that. This was not a close, fluky win. The Denver Broncos dominated the Kansas City Chiefs from the start of the first quarter to the end of the fourth quarter. And that coward isn't even here to show his face on this podcast. And I will not allow his stupid little statements, quote unquote, to be read. He has absolutely no recourse. And Mason, I will mute you. I I have no fear. Brad, you are... Brad, how long? It's Brad, so long. Look how long, long it is. Brad, oh you we, are we need to share this no with, with Brock and Joe. Yeah, please send it to me. Nobody who thinks everyone he knows everything. Listen, all right. Hey, listen, Eric. You, we, he knows we, everything about the NFL and just constantly says, oh, why, this league is so predictable. It's the Chiefs every year. I'm going to say it right now. The Chiefs are not winning the Super Bowl this year. They are not. They are not. I will take the field. I mean, you could take the field. I mean, listen. Bold. Is is it true? Is it true that there's not a lot for Patrick Mahomes to throw to outside of Travis Kelsey? Yes, that is true. But to sit there and and say that the Chiefs won't be playing meaningful football in December, I think that. 
oh, of course it doesn't make any meaningful sense. football, but they'll be losing to either the Bills or the Bengals. I mean, I don't know. Ravens. I think I think all of those teams you just listed have shown flaws to start the year, right? The, I the, think so have the Chiefs. That is my right. Only point. I'm not. Yeah, all the, the all, not, all the teams, all the teams have shown all these teams have shown flaws to start the year. But if we know anything about the Chiefs, it's that they have the ability to figure things out under Andy Reid and with Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback, right? Like, let's not get excited. This is a division. This is a division game, right? You, you lose. You lose games like this against a division opponent that knows you well. But he hadn't for his entire career, so this one matters. <laughs> And yes, okay. this is my Super Bowl. And yes, I am going to take a victory lap. And yes, I am just going to murder him. Because Thanks, Joe. guess Appreciate what? Your service. He's not even here. Joe, thank you so much for joining Joe, us Joe was like, I have one job. I'm going to TF Eric on this yes. topic. Joe had to head out. But damn, he didn't even show up. I thought he might show up. He didn't even have the guts I mean, to show up. I think... He's a no good little coward who can't even oh take God. the criticism when he needs to. He is a fraud. And I have twice the takes. And I'm twice for showman. Let's just twice not get that mixed up. Because <laughs> oh, if he had any ounce of showmanship in his body, he would have shown up tonight and we could have had a knockdown drab out fight. The, the, but he the... not he didn't. He sent a 500 word manifesto <laughs> in the group chat instead. The journalistic integrity on display here is is amazing. Is lacking. Um, is lacking. Integrity is lacking. might be the wrong word to use here. <laughs> the, the moment Eric was about five words into his rant and dropped the f bomb, I knew we were gone. It was over at that point. This was absolutely wrong. All right, so let's let's come back to Earth here, right? Okay. I mean. I mean, I kind of already said it, but the Chiefs are going to figure it out, right? I figured out enough to probably sure. win their first sure. playoff They're game, right? The will division. they get to the Will they get to the AFC Championship with how stacked the the playoff uh, pool is going to be in the AFC side? I don't know, right? Unless they figure out, unless somebody, you know, the, the rel one of the relevant comments you had was about their wide receiver depth, which is non-existent, right? Yes. So, uh, I mean, they brought back Michael Hardman, like. Like they brought them back. <laughs> so, you know, it remains to be seen whether they'll figure it out, but they will be playing playoffs. Um, I chalk this up to, you know, you lose to your division and opponents on occasion. That's that's all this was to me. All I want to know is that uh, when Eric is an entire, he went, he actually dropped little bro. <laughs> yeah, he said, I was like, whoa, spot, I swear. Listen, and I'm just going to show my face now for the first yeah. time tonight. I have the flu. I have the flu this, and I was this here. This is his flu game. And I delivered that because I'm a showman. And I'm he's dedicated. Big showman. And this man thinks Energy. he's dedicated and a showman. He is neither of those things. He couldn't <laughs> even show up to take his medicine when he needed it. I need him for one show a year, and he couldn't show up to this one. And he's going to show up in two weeks when the Chiefs start playing well and be like, oh, that's nice. But if you ever think I'm not going to let him forget about this one regular season win in week seven of <laughs> week the seven. NFL season. All right, mark it down. You're, week seven, 2023. Week eight, week eight, week eight. Week eight. Oh, week, eight week eight. Thank you. 
Thank you for the for the okay. correction. <laughs> All right. So I, I feel well, like I will say that now. I'm pretty sad that I'm actually rooting for the Chiefs this week, which bums me out a little bit. Where are they playing? Miami? Yeah, Miami. Yeah, you cannot right. be rooting for the Chiefs, please. I gotta take the division. I gotta take yeah. the division, man. That's where the win has to come from. And and two, uh dear Eric, I would like to personally <laughs> congratulate you being a crucial part of one of the most impressive and unthinkable feats. You have to read it without laughing. That's a challenge. Okay, break it. Break it down. Let me respond, okay? So give me chances to respond. No, no, no. Read it in full, and then you can can respond respond after. Yeah. Dynasties will come and go. Stars will live and die. But centuries from now, the stories will tell of the heroic 2023 Denver Broncos rousing victory over the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs. It is a rare feat to get to avoid being beaten by the same team 17 times in a row. Those poor Chiefs have nothing but playoff football ahead of them. They'll get to know just what it feels like to have accomplished what Denver has. They could have not done this without you. I sit here with nothing but championships to reminisce on. I've only ever tasted a Super Bowl so in petty. February. It takes true championship squad to win one in eight week of the NFL season. I must leave you now. I will see you again in the great myths and legends they will tell about this heroic day. Dubiously yours, Bradford. P.S. As a congratulations, I have mailed you a package. Inside you will find two grilled cheese sandwiches and half of my lunchtime whiskey, Dr. Pepper brandy mixed drink. May it find you hungry and may it find you well. <laughs> yeah, good job. Well done. Dubiously yours, and, Dubiously the, yours. and the lunchtime drink of whiskey, Dr. Pepper, and brandy. Jesus Christ, Brad, what the hell are you doing? He's unlikable. He's unlikable. No, I love Brad. I just really wish he would have showed up and let me do that to his face. And he better listen. He better listen. I mean, <laughs> You should have we'll played a separate pod no. just with you two. That's what you we should will have not done. tell him in the group chat that I, I read his manifesto. We will find out if he listens by whether or not he brings it up. Yeah, well, this is... Yeah, I, okay, I just re, I just deleted that message from the group chat after sending it. So. Hey, thank you. I literally saw something. <laughs> Hopefully he's not quick on his... Uh, he's not staring at the group chat. Like, he's such a little I coward. A, I mean, he, he couldn't might be staring into it's, that it's, lunch mix drink. What what's he doing in Canada this hour? Ben, All right, I'm I'm, I'm I'm will I'm going to talk about. I do want to talk about. Give me two solid minutes, uh, Brock, on the Carolina Panthers and the state okay. first win. Go. Yes, Carolina Panthers corner over here. All right, so here's the deal. Um, there was a lot being made of you know the C.J. Stroud and and Bryce Young comparison, right? Uh, you know, obviously the Panthers took Young over Stroud with the first pick, and you know Stroud has looked very good to start the year, and and Young, you know, they you know hadn't reached the similar heights. Um, so you know they play this week. You know, the fir- one of the first times the top three picks in the draft, including uh, the Texans' third pick, whose name is currently escaping me, uh, pass rusher. Will Anderson. Thank you, Will Anderson. Um, all played first time three, the top three picks as rookies played in the same game. First time in NFL history. Um, but it was an interesting game. Um, the Panthers got their first win, which was, which was huge. I mean, Frank Reich needed that win. he was, he was, he was not looking good. Um, so, you know, it's, it's positive for the organization, but young looked good. He, he threw down the field. 
um, you know, he connected with, with Thielen, like it, you know, you, you, he, you, he gave you that drive where you need a drive to, 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 to win the game. You need your franchise quarterback to go and, and make that drive. And he went out there and, and he did that, which, you know, you love to see. Um, I don't think Stroud necessarily played like super poorly, like the defense, but both defenses played well. I thought best, best, uh, I, I know for sure the best, the Panthers defense has played all year. I don't know about the Texans, but, but, but both defenses did well, but Stroud, he got a lot of his balls batted down. I think at three were batted down at least. Um, and I don't think his receivers were giving him, you know, much to work with. So, um, you know, if you're just going off of this one game, I think young comes out looking better, um, in comparison just on the one game, but it was the first, I feel like it was the first game where young really showed that, Hey, I can be a franchise quarterback. And not that he hadn't shown that he was bad before. It was just, you didn't see the it factor necessarily, unless you were really looking. So it's, it's positive on the whole, you know, we'll see if we'll get more than one win the rest of the way, but you know, at least for this week, I'm, I'm feeling good. It's important. As, as someone who has also rooted for a bad team for a little while here, it's important to get those wins. It's important to get those dubs, celebrate those dubs. Yeah, may, may I have a victory lap like you had in my near future? <laughs> yes, yes. Ho- hopefully, hopefully something like that comes up to you. This this has been a good week. Last thing I'll throw out there. I wouldn't hope for that, Brock, because for me, you're going to need to lose to a team 16 times in a row first. Yeah, yeah that... I don't see that happening. The NFC South, uh, we all lose to each other and win. So Yeah. I just want to say, Two weeks ago, I would not have been excited for Thursday night football. I'm pretty excited for Thursday night football this week. Will Levis kind of cooked. Uh, it was kind of fun to watch. Maybe it was just because the Falcons' defense is bad in the secondary, but like I'm interested. Yeah, maybe it's to see because can... maybe it's because they have been playing Ryan Tannehill, a quarterback who looks washed. Yeah, I'm interested I mean... to just see what he looks like against the Steelers, who can also be thrown on. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. NFL team I don't understand, by the way. Uh, also, the Jaguars have no take on the Jaguars. Uh, not sure if they're good or bad. They just uh, they're six and two. Dead. I have a take only because I live in the city in which they play. Um, oh, no. <laughs> um they're pretty good, uh, and they're in a division that's going to guarantee them a playoff spot. So. You know, if they're going to make it to the playoffs and, you know, Trevor Lawrence, he, he can make things happen. So, um, yeah. I think, I think they could go on a run depending on who they play in the divisional round. Yeah. Lawrence, like, like maybe like he doesn't like, wow, you in the sense of like someone like Josh Allen or Justin Herbert does, but he's been spraying the ball out to like to several of his receivers. Like one week is Christian Kirk. One week is yeah. Calvin Ridley. One week is Evan Ingram. Like one week yeah. it was I mean, Zay Jones before he went down. So. And when we Christian, Christian Kirk has been great. Like Kirk everybody, everybody gave the the Jag shit for that that contract, but he has delivered. And yeah. then they get Calvin Ridley for like almost nothing. A third rounder, basically. Yeah. yeah. Like, like Ridley's been like hot and cold. Like, but like on the on the days when Ridley is kind of like been shut out, Kirk's the one that carries them. And then yeah, the, like Kirk is so on, consistent. They don't need Ridley to be the number one. Which is which is how he which is where he shined in Atlanta when he wasn't the number one. Yeah. So when he was behind Julio. So yeah. Like Kirk Kirk Christian Kirk, like he's like basically the diet version of Amon Ross Brown, like like <laughs> a little bit older and a little more experienced version because he'll he might not 
break one, like although he did break a long one a couple weeks ago, but he's always there to get you to catch his, like kind of move, keep the ball moving. And he's yep. almost never hurt, which is always yep. a good thing. So Availability is an ability. Wonderful. To me, favorite Jag offensively, love Travis Etienne. Having yeah. a great year. Yeah. That guy can run the football and is fun to watch. All right, boys. Thank Urban Meyer for that at least. Yes. <laughs> All right, boys. Oh, thank you for giving me. Oh, I need. I need to. Oh. I need to put this in one last time because I told you I was going to talk about this on the group chat. So, this is a this is somewhat of a depressing note to end the podcast on, but I do oh, want to make, oh, make acknowledge acknowledge this man for for producing the greatest meme of the 21st century related to the NFL. What went up for Kirk Cousins? Like Kirk Cousins was playing excellent. Cousins, unfortunately, as I think most of you know, tore his Achilles out for the season. Posted a picture of. Him post op uh, a couple of hours ago on Twitter. Apparently, surgery went well. Like this is this was supposed to be his last year in Minnesota. So who knows what will lead to him? But like I I I never got the hate that Kirk Cousins got. Although obviously, like when you come up short in the biggest games, I guess that's kind of a reputation that comes on you. But Cousins was playing very well this year. Eighteen yeah. touchdowns, five interceptions. Like I think maybe the best year of his career up to that yeah. point. Yep, and so, totally agree. Insane and, top ten quarterback this year for sure. And like it changes, obviously it changes the plans of not just the Vikings, obviously, but also like potentially people like teams that were rumored to be going after him, like Atlanta, the Jets. Like obviously the no trade clause kind of complicates that because he seemed to be a very much a family man. But Cousins is injury, like and the fact that he gave us the greatest meme, the NFL meme of the twenty first century. You like that? That will that will live on in immortality. So what a, up for Kirk. Yeah, what a wild and, season Josh Dobbs is having. As an anecdote, <laughs> yeah, he, Josh Dobbs sneaky fun to watch every single week. Always does something kind of insane. Makes some kind of good throws sometimes. Makes some terrible decisions sometimes. Has been a fun player to watch. Excited to see him in minnesota i don't think this is the last we hear from kirk cousins i know it's an achilles i know he's a little bit older but give him give him a year and a half maybe not next season but the season after i think he can get back up but you don't you don't think we'll be back by the start of the season i think he's got enough time right i don't know and achilles in week eight that feels like well, if if Rodgers can yeah, like supposedly Rogers. yeah, get on the Rodgers program. Yeah, by Man's the way, I don't buy January. that. He's gonna get. I, I I don't buy that. By the way, I just want to throw that out there right now. Aaron well, yeah, Rodgers is Rogers. going. Aaron Rodgers Man, he's, is going. He's to doing get the. He's probably doing alternative medicine. Man, you don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna throw this out there as a prediction. A... Lock it in. Aaron Rodgers will get re-injured if he comes back this year. But there's there's no way that's healthy to come back as fast as he did. So we'll we'll see. All right, boys. Thank you for giving me an hour fifteen of your time. Thank God this didn't go longer than I thought. Uh, appreciate all of you, and I hope to see you all again next week because this would be fun to do again next week if we can. Until then, we will see y'all later. Peace out. You like that? You like that?